0: Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal land. This is ABC News Daily. We're all facing the financial pressures that come with the spiralling cost of everything. But on the weekend, it's New South Wales residents who'll get the chance to punish politicians for it. Today, the ABC's election analyst, Anthony Green, on why the coalition government might not survive Saturday's state election, as Australians find it harder and harder to make ends meet. Anthony, we all know that the cost of living is going up a lot right now and that's affecting all of us all across the country. But in big cities like Sydney, it's hitting really, really hard. And that's going to be a big factor, isn't it, in this election? Yeah, it's how
1: the cost of living manifests as an issue in people's day-to-day lives. And it hits people in different ways in different parts of the country. But, I mean, to a large extent, it's much more of a city issue. The way cost of living works at this election in New South Wales is there's a whole bunch of seats in outer Sydney which are marginal mortgage belt seats and higher interest mm. rates are really hurting. their standing at living. There's anxiety in the air as home loan repayments soar. There's also a couple of seats where there's very high rental levels and rental levels are just, just appalling at, at the moment. in so There just aren't vacancies and the rates are going up rents jumped 11 percent over the entire year and rents are tipped to continue to rise as vacancy rates are at less than two percent both of those in terms of how people live and where they live is important but you've also got the specific issues for new south wales which is the number of toll roads that sydney has which is more than the rest of the country put together and people who are traveling for work every day are getting hit by that cost which didn't used to be It's the sound of money leaving your bank account. The cost of convenience on the road is at a record high. So there's an extra cost of living factor, which is to do with the government.
0: Yeah, I try not to drive too much around Sydney, but when I do, you do ding a lot. Bip, 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 as you go through those toll roads, it costs a lot of money. And as you say, it's a double whammy then, isn't it, for those people in those seats that you're saying they're paying more for their mortgages and they're also paying more on tolls. It's a lot of money.
1: It's a, it's, it, it all adds up and all pressures on families. Mm. Now, there's people with mortgages everywhere in Sydney, but in some of these seats with new housing developments, there's more of them with mortgages. And then on top of that, they get tolls and they get difficulties getting out of their suburb in the morning Mm -hmm. and their school hasn't grown rapidly enough and they've got demountables instead of classrooms. There's those sorts of issues and they all compound in a small number of seats. You may see larger swings than you'd expect because there is a certain selection of the public in those areas are particularly peed off at the way government's going.
0: Is this going to play into Labor's hands? Does this work in Labor's favour.
1: Yes, it's a bit hard to blame the Labour opposition yeah. for these issues. So <laughs> exactly. it's against the government. If if the federal government had been in power for longer, mm. then what the some people would translate that view of the federal government into into state politics. So that the Labour Party, I mean there's a long history in this country of ad elections, the party in power in Canberra has bad results in the state, but that didn't happen in Victoria, and it may not happen in New South Wales. People have got to remember uh, the current Liberal Coalition government is the longest serving in Australia, except for the ACT special case. But. It's also the longest period of conservative government in New South Wales state history. New South Wales traditionally has been a Labor state. It governed the state for 52 of the 70 years between 1941 and 2011. In 2011, they've wiped out, and the 12 years since is the longest period that Labor's been in opposition.
0: Mm, but it hasn't been an easy ride for the coalition over those 12 years. Gosh, they've changed leader a lot.
1: Yeah, Yes, they've... Uh, What's the, what's the old secretary, you lose one, one premier, is an accident, Two's a mistake, three is getting really <laughs> serious, but you know, they've lost they've lost three.
0: We've had Barry O'Farrell.
1: Mike Baird, Gladys Berejiklian and Dominic Pavitay.
0: It took less than a day
1: to end a 20-year career, forced out over a bottle of wine.
0: I will be resigning the position. As we approach uh, the halfway mark of this term, it's time for us to refresh. Uh, it has been clear to me that this refresh won't include me. As I address you for the final time as your Premier, please stay the course and stay safe. We will be shortly out of this lockdown and be able to go down with our lives.
1: A ballot has been held and I can declare that the Honourable Dominic Perrottet has been elected to the lead of I, I would say, I mean, I've, this is a personal view, I've been covering politics for 30 years. I've seen a lot of states where they've gone from a a lot of long periods of government have often been dominated by one premier and their successor promptly lose. I I suspect if Gladys Berejiklian was there, they would have a good chance of winning. She was very popular and also some of the problems that occurred last year, I think her office was better at running the government. i has been a bit more of an ideas man and I think sometimes um, they've fallen down on knowing what's going on in another part of the government.
0: Okay, so he's the fourth premier since 2011, but he's had his own controversies. Most recently, when it was revealed, Anthony, he wore a Nazi uniform to his 21st birthday. I'm deeply ashamed of what I did, and I'm truly sorry.
1: I mean, look, he's, the problem when he came to office, he had a, the, he's a very negative attitude about him. I mean, you know, he's, he's a very strong Catholic. He's got seven children, and you know, he's quite unusual to have seven children these days. And that was what people thought about him. They thought, oh, he's anti all sort of modern social change, like abortion reform and euthanasia. It's interesting in the last term under a coalition government, is that both reforms to abortion law and euthanasia and voluntary assisted dying were introduced in this term by conscience of us. Now, some of that was because the government only had a very small majority and they committed to the crossbench to allow those votes. In the areas of social social issues in the last year, they have done a few things and they've done, you know, Dominic Perrottet put an Aboriginal flag on the on the, on the Harbour Bridge. Uh, there's, there's lots of issues like that he's, he's, he's broadened his image with. So I think the narrow view people had of him when he came to office has been broadened because he's a generally quite amusing man when he gets onto you know, when he talks. He's, he's quite engaging.
0: I, I, do you think I, it's appropriate? I'm
1: not the only... I'm not, I'm not Scott Morrison here. I don't run every <laughs> single ministry. I have ministers to do their jobs.
0: And the opposition leader, Chris Minns... What do we know about him?
1: Well, he's much less known.
0: G'day, Chris Beans here, New South Wales Labor leader. A lot of people talk to me about how expensive it is to live and work in Sydney. We're taking
1: action. He's had his own fights within the party to get leadership. Like most oppositions, there aren't many of the shadow ministers who are well-known. I think that's a particular problem they've had. And so it's a, a not well-known opposition, but it's against a well-known government. But it's against a well-known government that's been there for 12 years. And in the end, opposition, it's governments that lose elections.
0: Mm, okay. Anthony, I want to ask you about the teals, because, of course, the teals were a big factor at the federal election. Are we seeing something similar? The rise of the six teal independents was one of the big stories of the May election. They vanquished opponents in one same
1: The issues they ran on, which made it possible for them to win seats at the federal election, aren't there. The issues they ran on the federal election were were against Scott Morrison, Mm. against problems with women in the Liberal Party. Mm -hmm. There were that the federal government wouldn't introduce an independent commission against corruption. The independent commission against corruption, New South Wales has got the strongest in the state and the government said very clearly that it supports it. On climate change, they've got a very active climate change policy. You can argue it's not strong enough, but it's certainly a downside stronger than the federal government and they haven't got Scott Morrison there. But there are a number of independents particularly in the seats which were won by Teals, who are running as independents, not all backed by the Climate 200 group. In New South Wales, the seats they're running on have a history of electing independents.
0: Mm, Okay, so, Anthony, now the big question. (laughs) The polling is tight, we can see that, but who's going to win in your view? And is it, in the end, that cost of living issue that will be front and centre of people's minds when they cast their ballot on Saturday?
1: Cost of living and how long the government's been in power. But the longer the government's been in power, the more they blame them for cost of living. And sometimes voters will go for a change of government just to get a different set of faces making the same excuses. But I mean, that's that's the way politics works in the end. It was always remind me that an old lecturer in government who described you know gov- periods of government are like. You know, those third world buses where there's people hanging off the side, you know, those packed buses, it's, uh, that's what a government's like. Is you start off and you've got all these people hanging on the side and as time goes by, you know, a few of them drop off at the curves and the difficult parts of the road. And governments like that, you lose people along the way and you lose the public along the way. So I think that's a, you know, an interesting metaphor. But that's the problem the government faces. The polls are actually quite clear that Labor's got the statewide vote to win I mean, if Labor gets 52.5% of the vote, which is what some of the polls are suggesting, it's very hard to see them not getting more seats in the coalition. It may be that they don't reach a majority, but it's hard to see them not getting more seats. I remind people after the Gillard government election in 2010, all the seats were known on the Monday. It was clear who'd won all 150 seats on the Monday. But it then took two weeks to negotiate who was going to form government. There's There's two types of doubt where it's unclear what the numbers are because you haven't got all the seats decided or it's unclear because you've got to negotiate who's going to form government.
0: Are you going to have a, have a bet here? I mean, which way is it going to go? Or do you dare not do that?
1: I don't, look, I don't. <laughs> look. The, the polls are indicating Labor's got a better chance of winning. That, that's all I'll say. Okay.
0: Anthony Green, thank you very much. Thank you. anthony green is the abc's election analyst catch him on saturday night for full analysis of the election on abc tv's news channel or on iview this episode was produced by flint ducksfield chris dengate and sam dunn who also did the mix our supervising producer is stephen smiley I'm Sam Hawley. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. Thanks for listening. You've been listening
1: to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.